0: Welcome to VidFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. BitFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molyneux. For information about Bitfriends, vitiligo, vitiligo support groups for youth, teens, and adults, ways you can support our vitiligo initiative, and ways you can donate, visit us at www.vidfriends.org. For questions and comments, you can email us at support at goodfriends.org. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So on today's show, I had Dr. Victor Huang. And Dr. Huang, or do you want me to call you Victor? You can call me Victor. Okay, yeah, we're going to go with Victor. Fine. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome to the show. I thank you for being here.
1: Absolutely. Uh, excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I want you to go ahead and officially introduce yourself, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about you, and then we'll dig into a couple of topics I have.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So uh, my name is Victor Huang. Uh, I currently run the Vitiligo Clinic at uh, UC Davis in uh, Sacramento. Uh, Prior to my appointment here, I worked over at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston and ran the uh, Vitiligo Clinic there for five or six years Um, and uh, have been very interested in pushing forward therapy and uh, getting uh, 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 things better for the vitiligo community
0: for a long time. Absolutely. So I want to start off by talking about treatments. Um, I want to, I guess, if you can give us an introduction or overview of treatments, some of the treatments in the past, some of the current treatments, and maybe what are some of the treatments that are coming onto the market that we may not know about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, it's actually quite an exciting time. It's it's really interesting, like uh, vitiligo. When you think about vitiligo and you look at the medical history, it's actually one of the first uh, medical ailments in humanity that's ever been described. Uh, so like you look back at ancient Egyptian papyri from like 1500 BCE, vitiligo was described back then, right? And uh, it's really, uh, I I break down the therapy of uh, vitiligo into several different buckets. There's uh, the topical medicines that you put on the skin. And then there's phototherapy where you get exposed to specific wavelengths of UV that stimulate the melanocytes to, uh, to, to become active and also reduce the amount of inflammation in the skin. And then there's like a systemic component too. But when you look back at these ancient Egyptian papyri, even back then, there were descriptions of uh, uh, asking people to, to sit out in the sun and uh, put on different poultices on their skin until their skin blistered. So like phototherapy and topical therapy existed all the way back then. Wow. Um, and I think the thing that really makes now an exciting time is uh, for the very first time, uh, based on the work of uh, my basic science colleagues and my clinical colleagues uh, who have a special passion for taking care of patients with vitiligo, now we really understand the underlying um, immunology enough that we can have, move beyond those traditional therapies. Right. Um, and and uh, uh, that's all happening now. And so uh, in terms of surgical approaches for uh, transplant of melanocytes for stable vitiligo that has uh, not been uh, active in, in a long time, or the development of JAK inhibitors for the treatment of uh, vitiligo, and and uh, uh, most recently, uh, the observation that uh, interleukin fifteen, a, uh, a immune mediator that supports the uh, T cells that cause vitiligo, um, uh, being an important part of causing vitiligo, targeting that. Um, all of these things are coming online now. And so, over the past like three thousand five hundred years, we are now finally at the point where we have targeted therapies developed specifically against the pathways uh, that affect vitiligo. And the first FDA-approved medicine is uh, scheduled to be uh, submitted and uh, hopefully approved uh, sometime this year. And so uh, we're really at a very exciting time with regards to therapy.
0: And that's good to know because, you know, sometimes we do get discouraged as, you know, people living with vitiligo. We feel like nothing works. You know, and, and I, I used to say that myself because I'm thinking about back in the nineties when I started, you know, doing the topical cream, mm-hmm. it didn't work for me. And I know it's different for every person. Um, some people receive medications very well, some people bodies rejected. Um, some people do well with the phototherapy and some people don't. So it's so different for every patient. Um Absolutely. but I, I I feel like it's great news to know that there's there's something new that's coming out that could probably give, I can't say probably, that will give hope to somebody out there who wants to you know seek treatment and, and that's, that's maybe struggling with their vitiligo, you know? Um, yeah. Let me ask you about clinical trials. Um, I know there are a lot of clinical trials out there um, for some of the new medication that's coming out, um, but I, what I find that is challenging for our community sometimes to be involved, depending on your vitiligo, because I know mm-hmm. for myself, there's a few trials that I, you know, I saw it, I tried to apply for it, um, as I'm registering, it says, do you have it on your face? I have a, a little bit of out of my mouth, you really can't see it, but most of my vitiligo is on my hands, feet, legs, torso, but to me, it, it, it said to me, well, you don't have enough, so we can't use you. So in the future, I'm hoping that with some clinical trials, they'll look at a diverse group of people because I understand it is more noticeable on the face and you don't want to take care of it on the face, but we have people with it in other places that we, we, we have challenges as well. So is any, any way, um, any information about that with clinical trials and how we can get a more inclusive,
1: yeah. So it is it is a it is a challenge. Um and so like uh all of the protocols that I've been involved with they all require 0.25% body surface area facial involvement, right? right. Uh that's roughly equivalent to three thumbprints worth. Like if you look at the whole thumb, not just the not just the second half of it, but the whole right. thumb roughly like three of those or two and a half of those, right? Which is a fair amount to have on your face. Right, and uh, when, when you look across the population of people with vitiligo, you're absolutely right. Um, the vast majority of people will have yeah. more limited vitiligo um, and many people do not have any facial involvement. Right. Now, there are several reasons why um, uh, that requirement is in place. Um, and some of them are practical some of them are um, biological um, And so the practical re- reasons are um, as, as many of your listeners and you yourself may have run into, insurance historically um, has been a challenge like for, right. for, for folks to recognize vitiligo for the uh, impactful condition that it is right? right. Um, and I think uh, a lot of uh, insurance payers will restrict their approval for phototherapy or extract laser therapy or topical therapy only to patients who have vitiligo on their face or their hands. Right. The ar- argument being that those are the areas that are most readily observable in day-to-day sort of social interactions. And so anything beyond that they consider to be cosmetic in nature, which right. I, you know, there's there's a lot of to unpack there, a absolutely, lot to you know, argue against with regards to that that view. But historically, that that has been a big thing with insurance payers, and so what, as the drug companies are kind of developing their protocols to kind of, you know, fit into the payer uh, environment. Um, that's, that's one of the the forces that's in play in terms of saying like, okay, we need to have facial involvement uh, right. in, in the groups that we're going to be studying. The second part of it is a uh, sort of a biological thing where uh, facial vitiligo just responds a lot better than vitiligo across the rest of the body. Right. And in, in, in some ways, it's a it's a blessing, right? Like uh, if I have to have something that is a challenge to treat, at least the part that I present to the world is the right. part that responds the best, right? Absolutely. Um, but in some that it's, it's another reason why the drug companies would be particularly interested in facial vitiligo is they want to you know it's it's in everybody's interest to have um, the best results possible so that we can bring something to the market. And they want to choose the vitiligo that's the most responsive, um, and so for both of those reasons, yes, you're absolutely right. That facial component um, is almost always kind of built into those protocols, and right. and for everyone else who doesn't have facial vitiligo, it's very frustrating. Um, the The positive spin that I could put on to it is um, that while it makes it very frustrating to get involved with the clinical trial step that we're in kind of now, um, the hope is that if we can get things approved uh, and labeled for facial vitiligo, it makes it available to the community. Once it gets that FDA approval, then we can uh, prescribe it off label and then it'll be available to the broader community of folks. So it, it, It is very frustrating, but at the same time, I I do understand the strategy of finding that path of least resistance to bring something to market. And as far as that's uh, concerned, um, it it does help the broader community to make things available more quickly. You know, that's sort of the thought process behind it. But I, I agree with you. Some of my patients right. who are the most bothered by their vitiligo do not have a, a, a spot on their
0: face. You know? Right. And and, and it, I think what happens, you know, for instance, with myself, if I'm wearing mm-hmm. shorts, you know, then I get people staring at my legs and I don't like to wear sandals because I have vitiligo on my feet. So that's a different challenge. And I have it on my hands. And, you know, depending on how you're raised, when you go to shake somebody's hand, you know, it's a sign of respect. Yeah. And then you have somebody Absolutely. who pulls away from you because they don't quite understand. So th- there's those challenges. And I think sometimes it goes, it boils down to, you know, cultural challenges or just, just simple respect. Um the small things, you know, somebody handing you money in a store and they don't want to touch your hand. So they just place it on the counter because they see your hand. They're not sure what's what is that white spot? What are, what are the white patches on you? and yeah and I, and I also feel you know we're in an age of technology where if you want to know just google it and as soon as you google white patches vitiligo shows up that's the first thing you know absolutely so absolutely. we can do a little self education
1: it it does remind me um and and forgive me i don't remember the name of the person who started this movement but it was it was a story that was so inspiring to me that it the image is like seared into my brain. Um, there, There's a, a, a young woman who on her vitiligo had tattooed, it's called vitiligo. That's definitely th- There you go. It's and to, yes. to your point, it's just like so, um, it's so empowering just to be able to, it, it's, it's such a smart approach to it, right? Like in, I don't even need to address you. You can, if you see the spot, you know, here's your message.
0: Research. And yes, uh, yeah. and, and
1: that, that little thing already, you've started that education process. Absolutely. Um, it, it is su- such an inspiring story.
0: Now, in, in talking about that, now that we're talking about um, vitiligo being visible, um, when I look online and I do the research and I type in vitiligo, I, I think we get the message wrong because, And and this is just my personal opinion, because when you see vitiligo, all the images or even publications, they only show it once again on the face. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's I I understand it is there, it's visible, but it gives you a limited view of what vitiligo is and where it can appear on the body. And and I often say, if you take 20 people with vitiligo, you will have different levels of vitiligo whether it's on the face, just on the hands, maybe legs, or you can't see it at all because it's in areas that are private and personal. But Mm -hmm. the fact is you still have vitiligo. It doesn't change it. It is just that it's not visible to the average person. So, and, and I think what happens though, when you see publications like that and they have pictures of 40 people, 30 people, 20 people, and they all just have it on their face. I think it's not a true representation of, our condition. I think, um, I think that's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. Um, and so like, I think the move there, there is a movement in the community, uh, uh, led by folks like Winnie Harlow, where, you know, it's, they're, they're taking their vitiligo and saying, you know, I want to celebrate this. This right. is part of what makes me unique and beautiful. It's not something that I want to, uh, to hide or try to get rid of. Um, you know, to to your point, like uh, having these uh, spokespeople out in society, where you can see how their skin looks, you know, right. and it's not just the limited representation that you get. Um, there is a little bit of uh, a tension in the community, in the sense that we have worked so hard for so long to to uh, uh, to to make the argument that this is a medical condition right that deserving of uh of uh support deserving of uh insurance coverage for medications and procedures for treatments absolutely um uh it, it should at the same time that should not take away from folks who have like really embraced this as part of who they are um uh there there is this sort of uh, tension in the community that um it has yet to be fully resolved if it ever could be you know um between uh folks who really with like good intents and purposes like are, are are trying to educate the world and show the world like this is part of humanity part of the spectrum right. of what humanity is Absolutely. um and and on the other hand like wanting another group of people wanting to uh, try to make it go away if if it's at all possible right um right. Th- there's a tension there yeah it, but I, it,
0: it is i've i've come across some of that where i've been told i don't have enough vitiligo and you know and and that's okay because i i realize and i do recognize there are so many different levels you have you know those who may not have as much and those who are let's say 80 to 90 percent depigmented or even 100 and you kind of feel like you have a stronger story to tell. But I often say we all have a story to tell and none of us are walking in each other's shoes. So, you know, allow that person that has embraced a vitiligo to embrace it. You know, if they are fully fully okay with who I am and I'm out there and I'm celebrating my, my condition and, you know, this is my vitiligo, let them celebrate. But also if you have those who wanna find a cure you know, and I, I, I'm even looking beyond treatment, want to find a cure. Mm -hmm. Let's do so because, you know, some people are not thrilled about having vitiligo, you know, um, it's not something we ask for, you know, some, I I don't think anybody has ever woke up one morning and said, Hey, I want vitiligo. No, it's a condition that we develop some at birth, some as young kids, some as adults, you know, and, it happens, and some people have embraced it, and some have not. And I think what we should do as a community is respect each other's decisions and choices, because it boils down to the individual. As a human being, you know, this is how I feel about it. This is what I want to do about it.
1: I, I agree with you 100.
0: I think there's so many um,
1: peculiar peculiarities about the way that vitiligo is seen in the world. You know, right. Um so like from the medical establishment perspective, it's taken us a long time to kind of get to the place of um, figuring out what's important, right? right. Um, if you think of like other medical things, like so for example, I got a sore throat, I got strep throat. Um, the more strep bacteria there, that are there, the worse it is. The right. fewer that are there and if I can get them all gone, the better I am off, right? Um, and that's sort of the model that most of us think about most pathologies is like if the closer I can get it to quote unquote normal, the better I am, right? Right, absolutely. But vitiligo is funny in the sense that um, it's not linear. It's it's this sort of U-shaped curve where if I'm completely normally pigmented, then I, I, uh, I blend into society. If I'm right. completely depigmented, I blend into society, but it's when I'm half and half that it stands out the most.
0: Absolutely. And so we,
1: it, it's a little bit of a, uh, 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 it's taken us a while to learn how to figure that out. Um, and I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about this a little bit later, but it's <laughs> wow. uh, part of the reason why uh, the community uh, amongst the researchers and physicians and uh, uh, lab folk and everybody um, is really, we're, we're really working to um, develop a set of outcome measures to really say in a meaningful way, is my vitiligo better or is it not better? Is it making my life better? Um, um, uh, it's, a, it's a really meaningful question that we, we're uh, uh, just getting a, a formal handle on now.
0: And I think also what could help too, when we are going to our um, physicians and talking about mm-hmm. vitiligo and treatment, that support groups are considered as an option. Um, because if you can't afford the treatment, at least you're getting support through your journey. and And I think that's very important that, you know, when people go, that doctor says, Hey, try seeking out a support group because as you're going through your treatment, say if you decided to get treated, you're still going to need, I I feel like support as you're going through that journey, because it's an up and down, you might be good today and tomorrow it can change. You might feel, is it really worth it? And, you know, and I I know as you're talking to different people in the community, some people are at a point where they question why am I here on this earth? and we want to make sure we have support groups in place to let them know you're special. You know, you have a family, you're important. So we want you here and we're going to walk with you on this journey. So I really hope that you know a lot of doctors are saying, "Hey, we'll find you a support group." You know, if you can't find one, we'll find somebody out there, you know. And I really I hope that's going to be a part of the the conversation going forward.
1: Absolutely. And you know, I think it is important for
0: everyone to know
1: like whether you have vitiligo or not to know that one to two percent of the population everywhere in the world doesn't matter what your ethnic background is what color your skin is what part of the world you're from one to two percent of the world has vitiligo you know and like if i if i think back to my high school class like i got 500 people in my high school class that means five of them at least five of them had vitiligo and we may just not have known about it because the pressure is to hide it, to put it away, to not let people know, to try to, try to blend in, you know? And I think one of my patients put it most profoundly when uh, she kind of said, the thing that I miss most about my time before vitiligo was my ability to blend in. Like what, what, what the vitiligo has done for me is like I can be the best student in the world I could be the worst student in the world. I could be a good person, bad person, whatever. But if I forgot to do my homework, everybody's gonna remember that person with the spots is the one right, who forgot. Absolutely, homework, right? You know. Um, and I think some of my patients have like really taken that and like used it as a way to brand themselves personally to say right, like, "Hey, absolutely. I'm this. If you need help, call me." I'm the one who's going to be able to help you like if you need you know whatever like it, they they've used it to their advantage. Right. Absolutely. Um for other folks it's really it they it's hard to do that because it's something that you feel self-conscious about and like to put right, right what you're most self-conscious about in the world out there in the world it it you know, it's, it's a real challenge
0: because it is hard because we, we're visual people. Let, let's be honest. All of us are, we're visual people. And when you look in the mirror and you're seeing yourself change, you know, I understand mm. it, it, it's, it's their spots, but as you're watching yourself change, it makes you question it more and more Well, how much pigmentation am I going to lose? You know, how are the people going to receive me? How am I going to receive myself? You know, those are questions you ask. And some of us have embraced it and and said, Hey, I love me. I love me. I love me. I love me. But there are others that are not there. And that's what I I always say to our community. We have to be very gentle with each other because where I may be at the top of the game, I may be at a higher level where I'm okay. There's somebody else I'm going to come across that's not there. And I have to be careful how I address that person because I can do Mm -hmm. more damage to them, you know, mentally, emotionally. than, than just the condition, you know? So I feel like we have to be careful with each other and and, and use a little tender love and care with each other. I,
1: I You know, I think uh, as, as human beings, it's like, it's something that uh, in some ways, like these are all universal human things, right? Absolutely. Like we, we all have our weaknesses. We all have our strengths. Um, in the case of Vitiligo though, you don't get the choice of who gets to know about it. Right, like it's just out there, and so that's the challenge. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, and to kind of speak to your your point about the importance of, um, I, I hesitate to call them support groups because like it kind of has this connotation of like I have a weakness and right. I need help.
0: It's Let's not, say it's communities. It's a There we go. go. There there go. go.
1: That, that's a, I, I like that. Um, and just like if you're someone who has already traveled the path, like it gives you, it gives you like a, a empowerment to guide young people through getting through. Right. If you're a young person who needs help, it, it it's, it's, uh, gives you faith to have, know that people have done it already. Um, and if you wanted to take it to the next step of like, Hey, we got a lobby Congress. We got to talk to these insurance payers. We got to make sure that these things are things that are considered as like meaningful and deserving of uh treatment just like other pathologies that people have um more power to you and if uh you're in it just to be part of a community that have something in common and like we don't even talk about vitiligo but we just get together and we right. have fun Absolutely. more power to you, you know what I, mean? I, I think that's um building the community is like uh, I, I agree with you, um, is, uh, is so important on all of these levels.
0: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about, uh, a program that's, um, in development and mm-hmm. that is the vital project, um, share with our listeners what that is, uh, whatever you can share. Cause I know it's still in, in its infancy, but moving forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, there is this on, there is a project that's just starting up right now, and it's uh, it's called the Vitaligo International Task Force for an agreed list of core data. Um, it's a kind of a cumbersome name, but we uh, we call it Vital, um, and it's uh, sponsored by uh, international group of um, uh, folks uh, who are dedicated. Uh, not just to vitiligo, but to to biologic research and understanding human health. And just like with anything, you need to, if you measure something, um, then you'll get better at what you measure. And if you don't measure something, then you don't know what's going on. And I think uh, part of the problem with vitiligo is we haven't had very good measurements for a long time. Right. Right. Uh, it's hard to measure uh, for a number of reasons not least of which uh, it can involve any part of the body um it can be large spots or small spots and it changes slowly over the course of months to years whereas like other things you know you know if i have my eczema i'm itchy now and i'm i i can tell you i'm good or not vitiligo is uh, slowly changing over time and the symptoms are more subtle um and so uh, it's been a challenge to know what should we measure. And so this group has gotten together and it's made up of um, uh, both basic science researchers, folks at the bench and um, uh, doing a sort of uh, laboratory sort of science, as well as uh, clinicians like myself, uh, as well as epidemiologists um, who uh, study changes of things over populations, but most importantly, uh, patients, right? Yes. Um, uh, I think... Uh, there's been a recognition across all of medicine, but uh, I think the vitiligo community especially has been very, very, um, sensitive to the fact that we may think that we're making things better. Uh, but if we're, if we don't ask the patients how it's affecting their lives, we don't really know. Absolutely. And so like the the best example is like, I may have a patient who's like 90% depigmented and i I, I'm gung ho, and I want to treat them, and I, I avoid the the classic uh, mistake of saying, "Oh, it's vitiligo. There's no treatment. Just live with it." You know, right. like I'm glad I'm glad that we're moving beyond that. Right. Um, too many of my patients come in saying that their their physicians have told them that, um, but we're moving beyond that. If I if I went gung ho and I went from your 90% depigmented to your 50-50 depigmented repigmented, and I've made it more visible. To the right. world, and I've actually made things worse for you. What have I accomplished, right? Um, and so, um, it, it, uh, that 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 that's that's probably the the simplest example. But there's so many layers to how do do I as a patient, do I as an individual relate to my vitiligo? Right. We it, we we really need the patients to to help make sure that what we are putting forward actually makes sense, actually serves the people we're trying to help, you know? Um, And so to to that goal, the vital project is bringing together this international group of people from across Asia and uh, North America and Europe to get together to agree on, um, these are the things that we're going to be measuring and studying for a number of reasons. Like one is to make sure that we're measuring things that are actually meaningful to our patients. But number two, um to make sure that we avoid the class we're we're blessed to be at a time where medical science has gotten to the point where things are moving forward and there are there are multiple uh, um molecules and pathways that are being examined and clinical trials that are uh that have been going and that are that will be going um but the uh The classic problem that is easy to fall into is, uh, well, drug company A uh, measures all these different things. And, you know, measure one was the best one. So we're going to report that one. We won't say anything about anything else. Uh, Drug company B measures a whole bunch of things. And measure C is the best one. And we'll report that one and nothing else. And once the data come out, we don't know which one's better because you're measuring different things. Like we can't compare the two. Um, and so by by uh, trying to nip this in the bud early and, and, and uh, put out a group, uh, a set of generally recognized outcome measures that are meaningful uh, to our patients, meaningful to the research enterprise, meaningful to the clinical practice of medicine, we hope to uh, be able to avoid those problems and really move things forward in a way that helps the most people as quickly as possible.
0: Absolutely. And it's good to hear. Um because sometimes in our community, we feel that there's nothing being done. Nobody's really trying to help us. And we're in this thing on our own and no, no, there, there's work being done and and I can vouch for that cause I sat in on the meeting. So mm-hmm. there's work being done uh, behind the scenes that a lot of times the general, um, I would say vitiligo community cannot see or will not see until it's ready to be released. So uh, we greatly appreciate the, the um, the the team and the or the the um companies coming together to want to provide guidelines for you know uh, physicians and clinics and just to really help us out as a community we really, we greatly appreciate that you know cuz now yeah, yeah no absolutely yeah cuz now I, I I like hear... somebody cares yeah, yeah no i and
1: i hear where you're coming from it's like you know 50% of the people who are uh, diagnosed with vitiligo are diagnosed before the age of 20 right, right? And so like, when I think about all the things that were happening to me in middle school and high school and all of that, like trying to figure out how to ask this person out to the prom, right, like right. trying to figure out like, what am I going to wear to graduation? Like trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Um, the time frame over which the research happens from like the basic uh, work in, with, uh, with, um, in, in petri dishes and with animal models and whatnot, to graduate to the point where you would try things in humans to graduate to the point where you have like a actual product that you can get out in the market to provide to patients. Um, um, when I think about like, well, you know, I got these 10 years where it's like critical for my social development. And then you look at the, you know, 20, 30 years that it takes for an idea to turn into a product. Right. It does feel like nothing's happening. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Um, but, uh, the, uh the message that i would want to share with the community is that um all of the work and all of the time that's been invested early on is just on the cusp of coming to fruition now like i'm 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 really excited for what the next 5 to 10 years is going to bring in terms of our understanding of vitiligo and treatment options for vitiligo
0: awesome awesome so we're going to we're going to wrap things up this has been a great discussion. I, I thank you for coming on and um, Absolutely. willing to share with our community. It is important that we hear not just from each other, but also from the medical uh, side of things. So this has been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate it. But before I wrap things up, I want you to leave our community with some type of words of encouragement. I always ask my guests to do that and then I'll close this out.
1: Yeah, I, I what I would say is uh, that um, there is a lot to be excited about right like there's a lot to be excited about in terms of um our better understanding of what vitiligo is um there are new uh approaches and new molecules that um can actually get us to the point of thinking about cure as opposed to just treatment like we're we're getting there and those trials are happening now um, so over the course of the next five to ten years, things are going to be drastically different than they are today. Um, that that encouragement I can give you in spades, right? Um, but I think there's another more human side that I would I I think I would uh, want want to really end on, which is um, uh, to get back to our earlier sort of uh, conversation around you know in some ways uh, like. Vitiligo is its own thing, and like uh, it, it, it's true, it, it 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 comes with its own challenges. It it presents a set of hoops in life that I would rather not have sometimes. Right. Um, but I think in some ways, the 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 folks who are that I have seen who have been most successful in this world, uh, the the mentors and um, uh, people who I look up to the most are the folks for sometimes for whom their personal challenges are the most visible because it forces you to confront them and you don't have a chance to kind of hide them away. And and you got to do that personal human growth and kind of, uh, uh, build your, uh, resilience and your, your strength, uh, uh, to, in, in ways that people who have it cushy don't, don't have to, you know?
0: Right.
1: Um, and so I think, um, for all of those who out there who are feeling uh, discouraged and feeling uh, uh, a little overwhelmed by the whole process, um, I say kudos to you guys uh, because, like, it's it's the struggle, it's the it's the pain that you go through that makes you stronger, and you you will get through this stronger on the other end. Absolutely.
0: Victor, I thank you for being here. Thank you for those words of encouragement. This has been a great conversation. Uh, to our listeners, we thank you for listening in. And as I always say to you, make sure you love someone, whether it's your friend, your enemy, co-worker, your spouse, your brother, sister, make sure you love people. But most of all, look in that mirror and tell that person you see, I love you. You have been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. You'll take care. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to BitFriends podcast, Living Life and Love, with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. You now can listen to all of our podcasts on Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Search for BitFriends. Better Friends podcasts are sponsored by my Better LIGO team.